0: Hello and welcome to Talking City. I'm James Robson, Manchester City Editor. With me is Stuart Brennan, Chief City Writer. Hello there. And Simon Bukowski, Football Writer. Hello. Well, you two were in Bristol this week. How was that?
1: Wet, cold.
0: Far away. Yeah,
1: yeah. Very nice place though. Yeah, all the things you don't want for a, an
2: away game. But, so. It was n- nice ground, good setup. Yeah, the Premier League setup—I was—I was impressed with it. The Wi-Fi was terrible, but uh, apart from that, it was—you uh, know—you yeah. could imagine it being fitting in nicely in the Premier League. And of course, they've got a good chance of getting up there.
0: The important thing, of course, was that City made it to their first final this season, one step closer to the to the quad as we're calling it now. Uh, we now know that they're facing Arsenal in the final. I would think that would be the the game that they would have preferred.
2: Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, Arsenal have just lost Sanchez. Um, I watched the game last night. I, I wasn't particularly impressed. I wasn't impressed with Chelsea, but I wasn't very impressed with Arsenal mm. either. I thought they were pretty, uh, pretty poor. Uh, I think they'll miss Sanchez badly. Um, he's, a, he's a one player who, who you sort of fear when you're coming up against Arsenal. Um, and you look back at the FA Cup semi-final last season at Wembley, last time they played Arsenal at Wembley. Uh, City should have won the game and probably would have done if it hadn't been for the fact that they had a a goal wrongly ruled out uh, when they said the ball had gone out of play before Sterling scored. So uh, I thought City were unlucky that day Um, and I would would expect them to win on the day but it's a cup final, you
0: never know. Mm. I look back, it's a chance, isn't it, to, to get revenge for that? And I suppose Arsenal will look at that game and they'll think that proves that we can beat City, but this is a very different City side to the, to the one that lost to Arsenal last season, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the margins, really. I think there was a way of going at City last season and beating them, and I think you, the way to beat them is still the same way, it's just they've, they've tightened up, they've improved, they've brought in better players, and you've just got such a small margin for error if you want to win and I think Arsenal showed last night that their uh, margin for error is wider than what will allow them a victory. I think they'll have to play at the top of their game, City will have to be under par for them to, to beat City.
0: The thing about Arsenal is they set up perfectly for City, don't they, and the fact that Wenger He's not going to make it awkward or, or difficult for City by, by sitting back like Chelsea might have done or, or a Mourinho side might do. He's also not going to play like Liverpool where, where the, the those mad front six who, who just leap on the defenders. He plays an open game and we've seen over the years, for instance, when he's played against Barcelona or what have you, he's tried to take them on at their own game, hasn't he? And it's not been as good. And you see that being the same, don't
2: you? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's why it should be a good fight for the for the neutral um, two teams that are going to look to attack um, City have got a, a decent record at home against Arsenal in recent years for that reason because Arsenal always turn up at the Etihad and, and give you a game of football and I, I think that's to Vendor's credit You know, he's a manager who doesn't lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day football is an entertainment You know, there's mm. some managers who see the result as everything well, not a million miles from here um, and he's justified because he wins things but uh uh, I I prefer managers who who keep sight of the fact that the fans are paying money to be entertained uh, and, and Wenger for all his faults is one of those you know it's, it's rarely rare you see an Arsenal team that, that doesn't attack and doesn't play entertaining football uh, and if you're coming up against a City team that does the same it, it could be a, a, a classic final
0: I suppose the, the concern for City would be that FA Cup final last year wouldn't it that Arsenal no one thought they were going to beat Chelsea did they and they suddenly pulled something out of the bag at Wembley, as they have done quite a lot, haven't they? It's certainly in recent years, you know, for, for all the talk of Wenger not being able to produce a title winning side, he, he wins a lot at Wembley, doesn't he?
2: They're a cup team.
0: Yeah. You know, they have become yeah. a
2: cup team. They have just, they're too flaky to win the league. They're not good enough to win the Champions League. Uh, but they, they just find that little bit, well, we've, we've got to win something this season. So they, they usually end up with a domestic cup, um, not good enough for the Arsenal fans but it's uh, you know it's good fun seeing them go all the way to Wembley because they're a, they're an entertaining team to watch and on the day they beat just about anybody in the world I, I reckon
0: Si do we see anything other than this being the first leg of the quad for City I don't think so I think you know there is a point
1: to be made in uh, Wenger's sort of strength in, in recent years and I mean he, he outfoxed Conte uh, last night, which I mean, we gave Guardiola a hell of a lot of credit when he did the same mm. at, at Stamford Bridge um, earlier in the season, and Wenger, you know, beat City at Wembley, Chelsea at Wembley last season, and it as like Stu says, shows that he he can do it on the day. Um, but I think City will certainly start as as heavy favourites, and you look at the way they played on Tuesday night, and like. Um, Stu wrote about De Bruyne just streaming forward in injury time the, the, these are players that are, are desperate to win trophies and they know that the, the legacy of this team will be trophies rather than any of the football they play um, and I think you will not see a more determined set of players in the cup final than the ones wearing blue
0: Arsenal could of course have a certain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang by the time the final comes around Um that's, that's one issue, but let's look at who City might have by the time the final comes around. We understand the Laporte deal is moving along nicely, that might well be done by the time this, this goes out. Um, in, in Spain, they're saying that City have triggered the release clause and that he's, he's informed Athletic Bilbao that he wants to go. Uh, of course, when City last went for him in 2016, he backed out of a deal uh, late on. Um, will he be a good signing?
2: From everything you hear, it will be. I mean, we saw Gary Neville tweet about him mm. this week, didn't we? Um, from his time in Spain, urging United to get involved and saying this lad's a, a top player. still young, so it's, it's difficult to say, you know. Uh, and you think about the kind of money that City would have to pay to trigger that clause. Um, Whether £56 million, mm. it'd be a club record. I mean, a club record fee for a player who isn't yet a full international He's a number 21 international. He's, he's not got a full cap yet. Having said that, there's some pretty good players in that, that France mm. international squad. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's no... Good
0: centre-backs, though. I would have said that was one of the areas... Obviously, they've got Varane. But is that not one of the areas where maybe the, they are fairly... Well, not as strong as they are elsewhere. <sighs> well, you know... they got Mangala. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't
2: got Mangala. Well, he's not in the squad, is he? He, he? he was struggling to get in the squad even when he was he was sort of first team at City. Saka
0: was Saka was a, was a regular starter for them as well, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think he's, he's had some injury problems and had he been yeah. injury-free, then he would have made uh, the France squad and got an appearance, I think. But the fact that he has had injuries does raise that question, certainly suggests that he won't come as the complete defender.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, what strikes me is that by... It's going to be a huge, it's going to be a club record, isn't it? Uh, with the with the fees they'll have to pay for the training fees to, to if the re- as well. If the
2: reports are right about trigger, triggering the release clause, I mean, I suspect by the time this podcast goes out, we, we might have been overtaken by events. Yeah. But if, if it's right that City are going to have to pay the full release clause, it would be a club record. Um, but at the moment, the way things stand, um, over in Spain, they're saying it's all done, but they've been setting that for two mm. days now. You mm-hmm. know, the, the agents putting it out that, you know, yeah, it's done, he's agreed with City, the fee is all done, you know, the, the deal is done basically, it just needs to be, City just needs to deposit the money and it's done, but you talk to sources over here and they're telling you, whoa, whoa, just hold on a minute, This it, it isn't done, it isn't done, so, you know, you, you sort yeah. of pull both ways and we, we, it's one of those, now it's at the stage where he will either sign or we'll get the nod saying, no, we're out of it, we're not going to, we're not going to pay this. I suspect he'll sign. Um, they desperately need a, a centre back. He can play left back as well, which is the other the other string to his bow. So uh, I think he's uh, I think he's definitely a goer, and uh, he'll be there. He'll be at City within the next few days.
0: What does this tell us about how hard it is to sign centre backs at, at the moment? Because. This is one of the guys who Guardiola first identified when he first went to the club. He wanted him alongside John Stones in 2016, couldn't get him. Um, 18 months has passed. In that time, there have been numerous defenders he's been in for, not least Virgil van Dijk. And they've gone back and they've paid this huge amount of money, a club record, for him. You've seen Liverpool have paid uh, a world record for a defender who was £75 million for Virgil van Dyke, who was the one guy they wanted in the summer and said, ''If we can't get him, we don't want anyone.'' Does this tell us that there is a real lack of quality centre backs in world football, or a real lack of available quality centre backs in world football?
2: No, yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think there's plenty of good centre backs out there. You got, I mean, you got. What is more difficult is finding a good centre back for for City, the the style that they play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and as Vincent Kompany says, you know, playing centre back in a City team in the Premier League is extremely difficult because um, you've got to have all the physicality and uh, and, and the pace and the sharpness um, to deal with the, the physicality and pace of the Premier League uh, but you've also got to be able to put your foot on the ball and play good football, uh, play a high line uh, without, without panicking and you know uh, John stones was doing that in the early part of the season um, and he, but again he's showing problems just lately like mm-hmm. he's, he's having difficulties getting his head round playing in that position, whether that's because he's still feeling his injury or he's just had his confidence knocked a little bit, I don't know. But, I mean, that, that's what Laporte is, he's a footballing centre-back and finding the right man is, is tough.
0: And, say, si, in the summer, City thought £60 million for Virgil van Dijk was too much money, six months on, £56, £57 million plus training fees, which will take it over £60 million is not too much for Laporte. So what does that tell us about what Guardiola and what City think of Laporte?
1: Well, I think what City have shown this month with Laporte, but also Sanchez, is their sort of stance on values and how how much they deem certain players are worth. Um, I don't think their need for a centre-back now is any greater than it was, say, last month. I don't think their options have deteriorated. Stones isn't in the best of form, but... Um, that isn't a major significance you know City can spend if they want but they decided that uh, the fees for Sanchez was going to be too much they decided not to go in for Van Dyke at 75 million um, and it, it, it looks now like they've de- decided that Laporte at that price is better than um, what West Brom want for Johnny Evans so time will tell if they're right on it but it's sort of a continuation of their sizing up of the market and the inflated prices, and trying to get the best, the best value that there is in that.
0: And it's evidence again that really Johnny Evans. It seems that he was a last-ditch option. Really, he was in the summer, of course, that only really emerged in the final week of the transfer window, didn't mm. it? And and again this month, it seems like you know. So there's lots of Van Dijk, Laporte now. Johnny Evans. It seems like maybe if everything else falls through, we'll go for him.
2: Yeah, or, or even. I mean, it, there's a, a possibility that um, they get them both, of course. Mm. It, mm. it doesn't seem likely at the moment, and certainly not if West Brom want £20 million for, for Evans. But there is, a, we believe that there's a release clause in Evans's contract that if West Brom get relegated, Evans will be available for £3 million. Mm. So if, if West Brom start getting a bit cold feet about it and City are offering them £10-15 you know... It makes sense for City to get another one in, you know, because they they they're really short of two centre backs mm. with Company's injury record and the fact that Mangala uh, is deemed not to be good enough. Um, so you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they pay that money for Laporte, but still bring Evans in, or even go back. We keep hearing about Arsenal being. being it sounds like they're
0: quite far away, far on, far on with that now. Yeah, yes, yeah,
2: yeah, but uh, you know. Again, he's sorting the wheat from the chaff. Uh, I'm sure his agent is pushing, mm. pushing that link strongly uh, to try and force City into, into making a move. Um, I don't think City are going to be panicked over Johnny Evans, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, if he doesn't end up at Arsenal, I'm sure City will still be interested um, whether he'd be the right player in the summer or whether they'd look for somebody younger and looking long term. Because Evans would be a good player right now. An experienced Premier League player to help them see out the season. who uh, would still be available in the Champions League, um, so that that's why he'd be decent now. Whether he'd look like a good sign in the summer is another matter.
0: It's been, despite the uh, certain frustrations in the transfer market, it's been a positive January in terms of getting new contracts sorted out. Otamendi's been done. Fernandinho's been done. Kevin De Bruyne has been done. That's the standout one, isn't it? Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, what kind of a statement does that make that you've tied down one of the? Would he be one of the top five players in Europe right now? Would we say?
2: Top five in the world. In the world. Um,
0: What kind of a statement does that make when you when you say look, we've got him now for five years, five more years?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, I I was listening to the radio this morning on my way into work, and uh, there was a lot of talk about. The state that Real Madrid are in, uh, and that it's, you know, everyone's expecting it to be a big summer uh, over there in terms of signings. You know, whether Zidane will will last, but they certainly need to start spending the way Real Madrid have done in the past. And if you're Real Madrid and you're looking around the world at who is going to reinvigorate this team and get them get them working again, uh, Kevin De Bruyne would be top of my list. I think you know, there's there's not many others out there who can who can match what he's done this season. Um, so yeah, I mean he, he's he's just phenomenal. I mean not only is he a world class footballer, his work rate is just incredible. We talked about it earlier how how he uh, you know last minute of the game when City are pretty much through. You know mm-hmm. they not. I know Bristol City were one goal away from forcing extra time, but you still bat City to to go through. Uh, and he, he runs pretty much the length of the field to to get on the end of Leroy Sane's cross. Having done just about everything else during the game, you know, he'd be kicking him off his own line, off his own six-yard line. Um, And then after the game, I I was lucky enough to be down in the tunnel and he's doing radio interviews, he's doing TV interviews, he's swapping shirts, talking to all the Bristol players. On the way out, he's signing autographs, he's stopping and talking to the, the press while the players are just walking past. You know, he's just a complete pro. He just sort of embraces the entire thing about being a footballer, um, and that that kind of player is very rare. He's also a modest family man who, who he doesn't go out partying. He just goes home to his wife and uh, and kids. Um,
0: Seems like one of the good guys, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean. It, Like you, we know. Well, we all know uh, one of the Belgian guys who who knows Kevin because he's from the same town as him and has known him for years and years. And and he says he's still basically the same guy uh, as he was when he was sixteen. You know, very humble, just loves his football. Isn't really bothered about uh, you know going out in the town with the boys. He's uh, he he just wants to play his football, go home, and that's why he he, he keeps himself in fantastic shape. his strength is the other thing about him that, that struck me early on in that game at Bristol. Uh, Bristol got a couple of big centre backs, and uh, he was in a tussle with one of them. And you think he's got no chance there. This guy is six foot three and probably thirteen and a half stone, and you know with muscles on his muscles. And De Bruyne knocked him out of the way and, and got on the ball. Um, he, he just looks like a little. How penalty, hard he is is under
0: you. underestimated, isn't it? He, yeah, he really
2: is. Yeah, he's 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 physically tough. His his strength is is incredible for his for his build. Um, he's a complete package, um, and this is a player who Mourinho questioned his work rate when he was at Chelsea. And you, I mean, I know I know De Bruyne was really stunned by that, and I think he said at the time, uh, you know, they should hold. Uh, Perhaps he should hold the training sessions in public so people can decide mm. whether whether my worry isn't good enough or not. And you find it hard to believe that a player who the player he is now has ever shirked a training session in his life.
0: You know, a lot's made of the the transfer activity at City since the since the Abu Dhabi takeover. Uh, obviously, a, a lot of money has been spent. The, some have, some have been good signings, some have been bad signings, but a lot of the successful signings at City have been. Like him, good guys, good characters in the team and in the club. We've talked about it before Aguero, you know, he's, he's not the type who's, who's ever agitated to leave when virtually every summer he could have gone to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Uh, David Silva, um, Kevin De Bruyne is another one. There are these players, aren't they, that they've signed who, you know, look, we all know m- many footballers, most footballers are considered mercenaries by, by fans, and of course they do go for the money and what have you, but City. I don't know if they've dropped on lucky with it, but they've got this core of players, haven't they? Who who've been happy to be at the club. And that's such a an important thing, isn't it, when you're building a team, building a club?
2: It's a deliberate policy. I mean you, you look they've they've been burnt a little bit in the last mm. in the last ten years since the takeover, because they've had to bring players in who just wanted to come for the money, uh who really were mercenaries. I mean, you look at Rabinho, look at Adebayor, Balotelli players like that. So you're bringing in players who are, who are top players but questionable characters if you like not the kind of players who are going to make everything smooth but in the last since now city are at that top table you know with the help player tevez is another one of course um those players have helped city get to the the top table certainly tevez did um but then you know they're at the point now where they, they can they can be a little bit more studied and a little bit more withdrawn in, in who they who, who they want and who, who they're going to accept and Gu- that's a massive thing with Guardiola. He wants players who are just going to fit into the team, who are all going to get on together, who are going to be a team rather than a collection of individuals. And uh, and, and it has been a, a deliberate City policy. You know, um, I know I know that the regret giving Tevez another year uh, after his after his, um, his shenanigans where he went off playing golf in Spain. Um, and they sort of made a vow at that point not to to do that again, not to not to uh, to make that mistake of of, uh, of just pandering to a player, you know. Mm. And we've seen it with Guardiola, not with the Ayatore. There's no problem with Ayatore, but with the Ayatore's agent, they've taken a hard line, and uh, they've, they've, they've started to stand the ground. You know, they're not they're not having that kind of fuss anymore and Guardiola is the perfect man to do it because he's always done it he did it at, at Barcelona where he stood his ground with players like Deco and Ibrahimovic and and, and Eto you know top top players but he, he won't stand any message he wants players who are going to fit into the ethos and the philosophy that he he loves um, and that's, that's where we're at with City now
0: So, si, if Philippe Coutinho is 140 million how much is Kevin De Bruyne with? <sighs>
1: Priceless. He's um, <laughs> everyone has a price. Well, I mean, it's like I was saying about value before. Kevin De Bruyne <coughs> isn't a cheap signing. Club record by mm. fifty-four million. Certainly, the uh, when he signed,
0: and it was steep at the time. It wasn't. Uh, nobody thought wasn't it was cheap,
1: um, and but it's just shown to be value for money. And you're looking at a player who could be who could win the Ballon d'Or at City and I don't think they've ever been in, in that position before. Um, so for that to be the case now, £54 million is is looking very, very cheap.
0: Well, that's the thing with prices, isn't it? There's always outrage whenever records are broken or what have you, when, when Raheem Sterling signed for £44 million, how can you pay that? And the thing is, if you're successful, no-one talks about the price again, do they? No-one is talking about Kevin De Bruyne's price, but for the fact that that looks cheap now. Yeah. No one's talking about Raheem Sterling's price
1: but, are they? but also I mean He he might not stay Until 2023 mm. But he he seems very happy In Manchester for now But he is set to give City the best years Of his career And you know When they first Had the takeover They had to sort of Take what they could get And take players Giving them a few years Here there And, and then they've had This first wave With Company um, and Aguero And Silva And now they're at a stage Where they're a club Where world class players Are giving them their prime years um, and that sends out quite a significant message to the yeah. rest This idea that every player has his
2: price I'm not sure it applies to City because you look at Aguero You know, every, every year since he signed he's been linked with Barcelona, Real Madrid and PSG, everybody else uh, and City's stance every single summer has been don't even think about it there is no price on him no matter what you offer us, Sergio Aguero is not going to leave this club. And you've you've got owners at the club who are not motivated by profit. You know they they don't. You know, a two hundred million pound for Aguero or for De Bruyne. Two hundred million pound doesn't mean anything to them because they're not there to see to see. I, I know City have got to stand on their own feet financially, but they're doing that and they're still leading leading the way in terms of bringing players in. They don't need two hundred million pounds to do that. So you know, to say that every player has his price, I'm not entirely sure that they do, and that is because of City's ownership model. I mean, people knock it and talk about the money and all this kind of thing, but do you want an ownership model that that says, well, we're not interested in making a profit at this club; we just want the club to be successful because that then uh, that is that is the vehicle for for promoting Abu Dhabi as a tourist destination and so on. Um, now that is. Preferable, I would imagine, in most football fans' eyes, to a, to an ownership model where um, people are paying off the debt that's stacked against a club and looking to try and make money off the back of the club as well, which is where you're at with United, um, and which other you know other clubs are having to do as well. They have to make a profit. So to say that there is a you know every player has his price. And City are probably perhaps unique in the fact that the, that doesn't apply to them I think.
0: Where that's tested of course is if a player agitates to leave but again, oh, yeah. Yeah, again that's that's that, that fits back in with what we're saying about the likes of Aguero, Silva, De Bruyne, mm-hmm. that they're not those sort of players or don't appear to be those sort mm-hmm. of players. Um, but yeah yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a, would we say that City are the only club who are impervious to the, the powers of Real and Barcelona who usually get their man? Um, well, I, I,
2: I think PSG are in a, in a similar similar boat, but certainly in England, I would I would mm. say City are. You know, uh, I don't think there's any anybody else who who could turn down the kind of money that um, City will turn down any bits for Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously, he, he, he seems perfectly happy. If he had a change of mind and wanted to go, that would be different. But as long as De Bruyne's say telling everyone he's happy, he's just signed a new contract. You know, if Real Madrid or if Real Madrid came in and offered two hundred million pounds for Kevin De Bruyne, City would just turn it down flat. They wouldn't even enter into discussions. Um, so where does he go? Where do they go? Hmm. Did they go for two hundred and fifty million? And I could imagine City turning that down. You know, it wouldn't surprise me one little bit.
0: City are trying to get the di- a deal for Fred wrapped up this month. What can you tell us about Fred? He's got a fantastic name. <laughs> Uh, the important thing is that he's not the other Fred, isn't it? I think that's the most crucial thing for City yes. fans. It is definitely yeah. not the Fred who played up front for Brazil in the last World Cup.
1: No. What other famous Freds have we got? Fred Eyre. Fred Eyre. yeah. Fred Elliott. <laughs>
0: um, and he's neither of them either.
1: No, no. No, he, um, he looked very good against City uh, in the Champions League and in a very good Shakhtar team with... A number of other Brazilians with excellent names, um, but, but
0: this finding, this long-term success of Fernandinho is obviously an issue, isn't it? I, it's, I'm looking forward to seeing the second half of the season because what we've seen Fernandinho consistently since been at City is to have these really strong first halves and tail off a little bit in the second half. Yeah, uh, and that was certainly the case last season uh, under Guardiola, where Torre ended up taking his place, didn't he? As the almost the first choice holding midfielder can he do it for a full season uh, but also he's 32 isn't
1: he? Well I mean Fernandinho and De Bruyne are two certainly that just hate missing games mm. they want to play every every game going and maybe that is to their detriment because they need someone to say actually no you need to, to rest this game but also he, he isn't getting any younger and I think the long term replacement is is necessary and just especially with the way that Torres kind of disappeared from the scene this year the, you know, they've needed to play Fernandinho so much because they haven't got anyone else um, I think if they were to sign Fred this month that would be remarkable mm. um, and it, you know, it just ripped the transfer window up completely because the the ideal has been get players in summer, bed them in, nice pre-season and get them going whereas if the belief is that prices are going to go up after every window now, Um, it would be really special Um, and kind of unexpected to see them make this big leap and sign Fred now.
0: From what I'm told, they're happy the way that they'd like to get it done this month, but he doesn't necessarily have to come this month, so it could be a case of signing him, get him at the end of the season. So he can't play in Champions League, can he?
1: No, no he can't. Um, and he is a he is a long term replacement. And while Fernandinho is still pulling out performances like he is, I think he's going to struggle to to oust him from the team if he does come. Um, but yeah, I think the timing will be very interesting.
0: Fernandinho Stew was often one of those names that were brought up as an example of City's bad transfer business since that first title under Mancini. He was often lumped into a group with uh, the players who uh, seemed to be a discussion on Monday Night Football almost every week uh, when City were having downtimes, of an example of how they hadn't replaced top quality players with like-for-like. Has he just been chronically underrated? Massively underrated. The
2: people who who just don't recognise it. People talk about City. You see it this season. People talk about De Bruyne, they talk about Silva. You can't talk about those two as being world-class. And, and as driving City on. I mean, Silver gets underrated as well in my book, but uh, everyone does sort of focus on De Bruyne, whereas Silver's been every bit as good for me this season. Uh, perhaps perhaps De Bruyne does it in the big game, Do you see him score the goal or make the assist in the big game, and that's why he gets a, a better write up. Um, but for me, De Bruyne, Silver, Fernandinho as a three have just been exceptional. This season, I think they've been brilliant. But Fernandinho does the the stuff that doesn't necessarily. You know, he's not he's not scoring goals. He's not putting in the killer pass. Although he's capable of doing it and, and has done it. Um, but he's we saw it again at Bristol City. I mean, I, I have to give marks out of ten. The uh, Brown was the obvious one. I gave a nine out of ten. But I gave Fernandinho a nine out of ten because I thought without what he was doing, which was winning the ball uh, whenever Bristol tried to get forward, he, he was tacking the ball and using it brilliantly. Um, so people who, who just who just let Fernandinho go under the radar are really missing something. I mean, I I, th- I think he's been right at the very start of his City career. He wasn't entirely convincing, uh, but you know he was coming from Ukrainian f- football. He was a Brazilian as well, um, but I think I think he bedded down pretty pretty quickly. Uh, he suffered a little bit that he was alongside. You know, he was playing with Yaya. Mm. I mean, he's he's, a, he's alongside a legend, and, and Yaya was the main man. And Fernandinho was his legs, in a lot of way.
0: And Yaya yeah. was the eye-catcher, isn't he? Yeah. was the eye-catcher.
2: But what Pep Guardiola did last season was was say, no, I, I, he loves Fernandinho, he mm-hmm. absolutely adores him. Uh, and he basically said, no, this man is going to be my main midfielder. And he pushed Yaya to one side and put Fernandinho in the team and said, right, you, know, you go out and show us that you, are, you can be the main man in midfield. And he, he's done that. I'll take your point that his legs can go in the second part of the season um and it, that's why i think fred would be a good addition in this window because i think he does need that backup um but i think he's i think he's exceptional and he's taken taken on uh what yaya did and uh, obviously he's a different kind of player but he uh he drives City forward in the same way that yaya does his passing is immaculate um his tackling and his interception and the way he reads the game is is extremely good um I think he's, if you talk about the success of City this season, uh, to talk about De Bruyne and Silva and not mention Fernandinho is scandalous.
0: And he does the ugly stuff, the stuff that doesn't often get recognised, but I think that underestimates what he does as well because he's also a wonderfully gifted footballer as well. he? He almost never gives the ball away. He's a brilliant passer of the ball, isn't he? He's brilliant on the ball. He can run with it, beat people, like any Brazilian, really, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think... The fact that award seasons for individuals tend to come in the second half of seasons, where he's not been as good, mm. counts against him. But more than anything, I think what counts against him is that City haven't won what they should, what they should have done. And you know, it's, since he's been there, yeah. yeah. But, um, but you know, it's counted against Aguero. He's not made a team of the year, has he? And um, that's why you know you speak to him this season, and they all hammer home that they're not going to. You know, what what matters is winning. As much as Guardiola's changed the way they play football and is seeming to find a new ways to to beat teams and and win the league, what counts is is winning leagues. And then you say, "Oh, who's been the best player this season?" Right? Well, City are easily the best team. Who's the best player in there? And that's there's not been enough of that. So Fernandinho, who goes overlooked in the City team, is certainly going to go overlooked if City aren't being sort of picked apart microscopically as they are this season when they're winning every game 10-0 and you have to find new, new ways to talk about them
0: Well, the through to one cup final it's another cup competition this weekend it's Cardiff away another nice long trip on the M5, M4 M5 mm-hmm. yeah. that'll be nice M50, I'm an M50 man How do we see that going?
2: Well, I think the most interesting aspects of it I mean, a couple, couple times are always interesting, but perhaps the most interesting aspect is what team they put out, mm. which is is very much the way with, with it's, it's almost as exciting as a game uh, these days. waiting to see what team Guardiola picks. Um, if he puts out a, I think he put out a, a reasonably strong team. I think he'll he'll rest mm. rest some of the, some of his top boys because he's got West Brom coming up a few days later, important league game. Because I mean, you'd think that. West Brom at home is a bit of a gimme, but they'll want to make sure they they win that game. Uh, United are playing at Tottenham the same night, I believe. Mm. Is that right? Um, so that'll be a chance to, to open up the gap again. Um, if they can beat beat West Brom and uh, United slip up away to, to Spurs, um, so you know, in terms of Cardiff, he'll, he'll have one eye on that West Brom game the following Wednesday, um, but he'll still want to go through. So. Uh, He's, he, the beauty is he's got five days now. They've got five days for the players to to rest. Um, he'll pick De Bruyne obviously because he always does. Every time you think De Bruyne's going to get a rest, he never does. He's, he's always out there playing. Um, but I think he'll he'll play a team that's strong enough. You know he'll get the likes of Gundogan and Bernardo. I mean Sterling can come back in because he didn't play. Um, so he'll 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 bring players like that in. Um, maybe company he will be deemed to be to be ready for that one um so will pick a team that he deems strong enough to win the tie um but also
1: looking ahead to the West Brom game the following wednesday
0: that still sounds like a pretty strong team to me
1: yeah yeah it does and i mean after the bristol game he was name checking cardiff and talking about the way they play and usually on when we go to the friday press conferences he often hasn't looked at how the opposition will play ahead of mm. Saturday or Sunday that comes very late in the day uh, when his analysts give him sort of everything he needs I think the fact that so long before the game he'd already sort of got up to date he went to watch him at Mansfield um, to see see who who they would play and I think he loves the FA Cup he's a he's a traditionalist he's a romantic and I think he will Pick a strong enough team he feels will beat Cardiff.
0: I don't think he can help himself. I think he always picks incredibly strong teams. Over the years, we've heard, we've seen managers in like the League Cup in particular, but even in FA Cups, pick teams that have been shadow sides, and then afterwards they claim, "I, I, I always name a team that I think can win a game." And you think, "Come on, you didn't, not really." With Guardiola, like you say, you know, th- this weekend team will probably have Gundogan and Bernardo Silva and Vincent Kompany at centre back. I'd I don't think he can help himself I think it would just kill him if he put out a side that couldn't actually couldn't actually win a game yeah, I think he'd be still, kicking himself he
2: still would be a weakened team
0: yeah, it is weak know, yes, by well, their very nice not standards it's a weak team it's yeah. a weakened team but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but yeah. also he, he's been there
1: and he knows what it's like to win a treble and he knows what his players need to do and need to be at physically um, to win three trophies so he's going to know what his players can and, and can't do um, and he's going to be able to to look at that and then pick a strongest team.
0: He also just hates hates losing, doesn't he? I was at the Shakhtar game when he named about as weak a team as I've seen him name, and that was a game inconsequential. The top they'd qualified, and at the end of it, he's jumping around, going mad when he thought there was a chance to get a late equaliser, wasn't he? He just, I have not seen a manager like that. I know they all desperately want to win. That you know, Mourinho is absolutely obsessed with winning, isn't he? But every single game, Guardiola, it's like it's life or death to him.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a reflection of what he—it's a reflection on what he was as a player. As a player, he would have—he would have played every every day. You know, he'd have played on crutches. He, he just—he was just—he was as mental as a player as he is as a manager. You know, he's—he's um, he's got that—he's got that mental attitude. Um, he wants to play and play and play, and he recognises that in in players like De Bruyne and Fernandinho that they always want to play, I and mean, he sort of thinks yeah well I was like that so I understand it and he, uh, he indulge him and he, he can't he can't get his head round a player who might have a little bit of a twinge mm. and say oh, "You know, I don't, I don't fancy it today gaffer um, he doesn't want players like that in his squad he wants he wants players who will play through the pain he wants players who will just keep on running and running and running and running themselves into the ground in a bit to win football matches principally but then trophies as, a, as an afterthought um, and that that's his psyche, and that—that's what makes him such a great manager, such a great coach. Um, that 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 he, he does he does he inspires, he instills that in his players, or he brings players in who've already got it. Um, and that's that's what makes the man.
0: And there's just no chance of a of one of his City teams ever taking a game lightly, is there? Which has probably been that was one of the criticisms that was really aimed at Pellegrini's City side, wasn't it? That they would turn up sometimes expecting to win, and that's just. You can't believe that would ever happen with Guardiola
1: no no I, I think Pellegrini wanted to go for all competitions I think it was seen as to his detriment sometimes that he did uh, go for everything and he won two league cups and I think he recognised certainly in one season that he just didn't have the, the means mm. to win all four um, but we've not seen anything from Pep to suggest that he doesn't have the means to win all four because he keeps picking strong teams, and you wouldn't if you didn't think if he thought it would affect your league form or anything like that. I think Pep needs to thank Manuel Pellegrini because Pellegrini made the point
2: strongly that it was physically or in terms of the calendar, it was impossible to win all four because you would end up playing three games in a week at the end of the season. You know, you'd end up having to play. Uh, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday—that that that kind of setup, which is just Uh, ludicrous—and he took his stand against Chelsea in the FA Cup when City were playing Dynamo Kiev on the Tuesday, and the BBC BBC shifted the game to a Sunday because they wanted Chelsea City was like a prime tie, Uh, and he basically said, "This is this is nonsense. This is going too far," and fielded a a team of kids that lost five-one at Chelsea. and he was, he was absolutely hammered for it. How can he disrespect the FA Cup in this manner? But as a result of that, uh, the FA took a look at it and uh, have now stopped replays from the quarterfinals onwards. And that frees up a, a few midweeks at the end of the season, which means that it would be a tough, tough schedule, but City could actually reach three finals and uh, fulfil all the league fixtures before the end of the season. Just by playing the way they are now, from Saturday to midweek, to Saturday to midweek, or Saturday Sunday to midweek. Um, so you know, perhaps uh, perhaps Pep should give Pellegrini, He got hammered for it, Pellegrini. But uh, as a result of his stand, or partly as a result of it, um, the the calendar has been altered. The way the FA Cup run has been altered, and that 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 gives City a it's a very big outside chance. I would say winning all four trophies, but it, physically, it is now possible.
0: Okay, prediction time. Cardiff at the weekend?
1: I think City might win, you know.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. out on the I'm going to put my
1: neck out. Um, I think 3-1 City.
2: I'm going to go, given that City have started conceding goals. I've seen Cardiff a couple of times. Massively impressed with them. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Cardiff 2, City 2 and then City win the replay. Another game. Does that count as a cup upset? A I, draw? I think top championship. As long, team? as long as
1: you don't call it a cup set, it does. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I described Burnley taking, having a half-time lead as a, as, as close as we're going to get to a giant killing for <laughs> the city. So I think that would definitely be a cup upset for you. Uh, I'm going to go for City win, like Si, I think it'll be. I actually think it'll be a lot more comfortable than either of you think. Three, maybe even four nil. Good call okay that's it for this week Um, remember you can subscribe on iTunes and Audio Boom and also if you could do us a favour and rate it we would appreciate that Uh, it makes it easier for other people to find us we'll be back next week thanks for joining me